Good morning and welcome to you. I'm glad to see you here today. It's wonderful to worship God with you here at Gadsden First United Methodist Church, whether you're worshiping with us online by Facebook Live. Say hello to us if you're out there. We love to see your greetings and let us know where you're worshiping from. Maybe it's somewhere fun, but right here is just as fun. We love, we love being here in Gadsden, Alabama. I've got a couple of announcements I want to share with you today. Uh, first, let me say something about these gorgeous flowers on the altar. They are in honor of Jesse George and Matt Timmons on their 10th wedding anniversary. They renewed their vows yesterday. How romantic. And they are in memory of James B. and Miss Luverna Wade. So special people, special flowers. So we enjoy that so much. Let me tell you something that's coming up this coming Tuesday. The United Methodist women are up to something, and you can be sure it's going to be fun. They're having their summertime get-togethers, and this Tuesday is going to be at the Downtown Chief. I mean, just a little side note, the sweet potato fries with the caramel dipping sauce will straighten you right out. I'm telling you, it's good. So they're going to gather at 5.30, have dinner at 6 o'clock, if you want to be somewhere fun with some fun people, this coming Tuesday, June the 29th. The only other announcement I really want to, I really, really want you to remember is next Sunday is 4th of July, y'all. Next Sunday is the 4th of July. We're going to have a big to-do. We're going to have one united service at 11 o'clock, and it's going to be a musical extravaganza called Let Freedom Ring. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, invite them to come, invite them to watch online, and we're going to celebrate together next Sunday, one combined service at 11 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. Will you join me as we pray together? Lord, this is the day that you have made, and we rejoice and we are glad in it. We count our blessings today, and one of our blessings is to be able to worship you together. Help us to remember that and to celebrate all the good things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Remain standing, please, as we affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father. Please be seated, unless you're one of our children, and we're going to have children's church. Miss Catherine's going to take you. You're going to do something fun together. She's going to come down here to, to uh, my left and to your right. So some of you, um, some of you may not know this, but um, in our last service, John Freeman snuck off to children's church with the kids. I don't know what's going on with that. Y'all have to figure that out and tell me when you figure it out. Um, we have been the whole month of June remembering our um, worldwide missionaries. You know, when you give and support your church, and we are a global church, and we are connected around the world, and we just wanted you, the missions team is always busy and up to something, and this month we wanted to just kind of highlight some of our, our global missionaries, and each each week we've talked about one, and if you look in the newsletter, if you, you can find it on our church website or on our church app, you can see pictures and you can see the stories of these um, missionaries that we've highlighted. Today, I want to talk to you about what is going on in the United Methodist Church in Eastern Congo. Um, there is a, a picture that you'll find in the newsletter of a bishop uh, Bishop Gabriel Yemba Unda is cutting the ribbon for a new church, and it's a celebration. This is the 33rd time that this church has had to rebuild, sometimes because of natural disaster, but mostly because the church keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. This church, um, this church is the largest church in the Eastern Congo, and it is the Amani United Methodist Church, and they are very, very proud of it. Um, and they are supported, of course, by our global, uh, our global missions, and also um, they have a, a special support from, uh, from First United Methodist Church in Martin, Tennessee is helping this church uh, and I'm just very proud that we are going to the ends of the earth to take the good news and I just wanted to remind you about what happens when you support your church thank you for your support continue to give your tithes and offerings if you're here in the sanctuary we have plates by the doors you can give online as always and I want you to know that we appreciate that we also want to hear about your prayer request. We have a wonderful prayer team. If you'll jot a note, give it to me, put it in the offering plate, send it by, by email, call the church office. We'll make sure that we pray for you. And I want to ask you to join me as we pray right now. God, you have blessed us in so many ways. We're thankful for this great church that we get to gather and worship and be a part of. We're thankful for the impact that this church has on our lives and on our community and through missions around the world, really. So God, help us to remember as we gather here today in Gadsden, Alabama, that there's also a congregation in Eastern Congo that is celebrating and, and worshiping at their new church building um, that was made possible by friends around the world 
And Lord, thank you for how your spirit is moving not only here, but around the world. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in us and that your, your spirit would continue to move and that the good news of Jesus Christ would continue to spread and that we be a part of that. What a privilege it is, Lord. Lord, our needs that we have on our hearts today, our burdens that we carry, we lift up to you now. We have friends that we are concerned about. We're concerned with our own stuff, Lord. We lift it up to you and we trust you. We know that you're going to work it out. And we know, Lord, that you are a big, big God and that you love us beyond measure. We ask that you would teach us to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples, Lord, when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. John Ashcroft served as our, attorney, our 79th Attorney General under George W. Bush. Ashcroft grew up as a son of an Assembly of God minister. He also had a love for singing. And it's noted that many times in the Capitol building, he would see him walking down the hall singing. Ironically, he was a part of a group called the Singing Senators that included Trent Lott, Larry Craig, and Jim Jeffers, who would sing for different Senate events that happened at the Capitol building. The text that we will sing today was written by Ashcroft, and Ashcroft goes to say this line that he penned in 2002 helped to write the entire anthem. The, the line goes, Will judgment find you guilty, silent, without recompense? Will Jesus stand beside you? Will he rush to your defense? He wants to stand with you and speak for you today, for all eternity. Kneel where he died, now you decide. Will you be slave or free? Ashcroft, along with Mary MacDonald, a native of... Uh, um, Knoxville wrote the music. Interestingly, in 2004, I had the opportunity to sing this piece for Ashcroft as it was premiered for him with the singing ministers in Virginia. Ashcroft has a deep love and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and it can be heard today as we sing, I Will Not Stand Alone.
Thank you, choir, and what a, what a beautiful song and a beautiful story. I love the stories behind. Sometimes we forget every one of these hymns that we sing, and every song has a story behind it. Isn't it cool to learn the story behind that? Isn't it a great visual to think about singing senators? If they could just harmonize, right? You, you don't, even, don't even have to sing the same part. Just harmonize, people. Okay, not going to get off on that. I'm going to instead go and talk about mysterious women of the Bible. That's, that's much more fun. Uh, Pastor Andy preached for me last week. I'm so grateful that he did. He talked about the storms of life. And, and so we, we enjoyed our time away. And I, I really, really appreciate the staff at this church. They're fantastic. And, and I don't worry about a thing because I take care of everything. Uh, so when I'm, I'm out of town, I have the peace of mind of knowing that I work with an excellent group of people. But we're looking uh, for the last sermon in this series at uh, another one of the mysterious women of the Bible. The ones that are kind of the hidden figures, the ones that are behind the scenes that nobody talks about very much. And I've been giving you clues, right? Uh, and the title of the sermon is a clue, and you're supposed to kind of guess, and then we read the scripture. And here's the clue for this week. She was the weak-eyed girl. Okay, you get extra points in double jeopardy if you, if you get that one. I might have to give you two pieces of candy from the leftover Halloween candy in the arts and crafts room. I've been reading this book lately, y'all. Um, it has more action than Fast and Furious 9. It has more drama and family, family uh, intrigue and strange family stories than all of the reality shows put together. It has more love triangles than Days of Our Lives and The Young and Restless and As the World Turns put together. And on top of that, reading this book can save your life. Are you interested? It's this one right here, and I'm going to share a story out of Genesis chapter 29 from this amazing, amazing book. Genesis 29, verses 15 through 28, if you'll follow along. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder daughter was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely. Okay, let's pause here. Because the literal translation is she had weak eyes. This is just trying to be a little bit um, nicer about it. Leah's eyes were lovely. Um, Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I'll serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife so that I may go into her for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast but in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her maid. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why have you deceived me? Laban said, this is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other one also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed his week with her, with Leah, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I mean, what did I tell you? I mean, drama, action. Uh, this is, Jacob is actually one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And it, it, it's, he's one of those characters that you, you just want to kind of tell your children, 
don't, okay, WWJD doesn't stand for what would Jacob do because he was, he was kind of a rascal, you know? Um, but it, it's just kind of like, you want to say, God, couldn't you pick somebody more respectable to carry along the covenant with than, than Jacob? He was a deceiver. He was tricky, sneaky. Um, but here is, here is Jacob. And then here is his uncle, Laban, who's even sneakier and even trickier. So you're not going to have, you're not going to be having a WWLD bracelet on either because what would Laban do? Don't try this at home. He pulls a fast one on Jacob too. So I don't know. Maybe instead of focusing on Jacob and then and focusing on Laban and what they would do, maybe even instead of focusing on the sisters, Leah and Rachel, maybe we should just say, okay, God, what are you doing here? Because this is crazy. What are you doing? What is God doing here? That's a good question, not just for this story, but for us to ask on a daily basis, God, what are you doing here? Because sometimes it, it seems like it's crazy. Sometimes it seems like the last thing in the world that we want is happening. And you think, what's going on, God? What's going on? So let's remember Jacob's story a little bit. He, he left his homeland in Beersheba and he was headed to Haran. His mother, Rebecca, he was, he was a mama's boy. His mother, Rebecca, wanted him to go and find a wife. And another reason why he left was because his older brother, Esau, was trying to kill him. That was a good reason to leave and get out of town. So he left to find a wife and also to escape his brother Esau, whom he had tricked out of his birthright by giving him a bowl of red stew. Yes, it, it really is strange. So last, yeah, you know, you look at, at what happened to, to Jacob and we see that he gets to a place called Bethel on his journey and he lays down and he has to sleep and he dreams about Jacob's ladder. And, um, and then God makes a promise to Jacob at Bethel. He made the same promise that he made first to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, and then Jacob's father, Isaac. He said, I'm going to give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying, and your descendants are going to be so numerous, they're going to be like the dust of the earth. And then he said this, all the people of the earth are going to be blessed because of you and through your offspring. And he also said this, I'm going to be with you, Jacob. I'm going to watch over you, Jacob, everywhere you go. I'm not going to leave you until I have accomplished all that I've promised you. That's my promise to you. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. I'm not going to leave you. Isn't that a great promise? Isn't it to, to hear that promise and to to receive it and then to go on your way. Wouldn't you think if you got a promise like that and you went on that everything would just be smooth sailing? No, life doesn't work like that. Not for Jacob and not for us. He gets to this place, Paddan Aram, and there's a big well there. And they have a rock that's rolled over the mouth of the well. And the, what, what the shepherds would do is they would roll the rock away from the well, the water would come out, they would water their sheep, and then they would roll the rock back over, and it would take several people to get the rock to roll, rock and roll. Um, anyway, he gets to this place, everybody gathered at the well, and he's talking to the shepherds, and they say, where are you from? He tells them, you know, I'm from Beersheba. I'm come here and y'all are native in this place. Do you know, uh, you know a guy named Laban? And the shepherds are like, yeah, everybody knows Laban. Uh, we all know Laban. And as a matter of fact, there comes his daughter, Rachel. She, Rachel was a shepherdess. There comes his daughter bringing his sheep. And so for a while, they're watching the sheep come. They're watching this shepherdess driving the sheep or leading the sheep. And they're talking about, you know, baseball and the weather and sheep and I don't know what all. And then they get there and Jacob does something that guys have been doing for a long, long time. He kind of shows out. He shows his 
macho-ness by rolling the rock away from the spring all by himself so that the water can come out for the Rachel. And he gets a good look at her. And I want to tell you what, I've always heard about love at first sight, but I've never heard of anybody actually doing what Jacob did. He fell for Rachel like a ton of bricks and it says that he grabbed her and he laid a big old kiss on her and he started crying and bawling out loud. Okay, any of you watching out there that you're single and you're dating and, and I, I don't recommend this as a, as a pickup uh, approach, you know, work for Jacob may not work for you, just saying. So in between sobs, he manages to tell Rachel that he is her cousin Again, don't recommend that either. Uh, this is the South, but okay. He tells Rachel that he is her cousin and that he has come here and he asks her about her dad, Laban, his uncle. And so she runs off and goes to find her, her dad, Laban. And Laban comes out to meet Jacob and grabs Jacob and hugs him, kisses him. <laughs> They're a very emotional family. What can I say? They could go back to the house, and then Jacob starts to work for his uncle. Uh, and he, he just works for him for a time, there for about a month. And he just, he just works and doesn't get paid anything. And it's just kind of like obvious that something's got to give. And during that month that he's working for his uncle, every single day he just falls more and more and more in love with Rachel. He just can't stand it. Uh, and did I mention Rachel had a sister? Yeah, she's the older sister. Her name is Leah. And the Bible says that Rachel, it literally says that she was beautiful of, of form and face. Lovely in form and beautiful, it says. She was a knockout, Rachel was. And then there was Leah. Leah... Uh, had a good personality, okay? Leah um, uh, was a good cook, and, and she made all of her own clothes. She was real nice. Um, or I, 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 what, am I, what am I trying to fool around? I mean, it's kind of like Tammy's cousin in Virginia used to say, she fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down, okay? No, the, look, the Bible doesn't say that. It does try to contrast her with the younger sister is the point here. Uh, here's Rachel, she's beautiful, she's a knockout. Here's Leah and really all we get about her is that she's the weak-eyed girl. She's the weak-eyed girl. She's the one that nobody wanted to pick. So I'm telling you this because it sets up what happens next, right? Laban comes to Jacob one day and he says, my boy, you've been working here for a month. You've been doing a great job. I'm really happy with your work. But look, I don't want you to just work for free. You need to get what's coming to you. And so just tell me what you want and I'll pay you whatever you ask. And Jacob says, you know, I'll be glad to work for you for seven years in exchange to uh, get to marry your daughter, Rachel. And so Laban says, you know, that sounds good to me. It's better that I give her to you than to somebody else. Now, here's the part that we don't, at this point in the story, know about Laban. Just how tricky he is. He didn't say, I'll give you my daughter, Rachel. He said, I will give her to you, better her to you than to somebody else. The her. Now, some of you out there are attorneys. How important are these little details, okay? Um, details are important. So Jacob works for seven years. The years just fly by because he is so in love, just L-U-V, love. And he comes at the end of the seven years and he says, okay, Uncle Laban, my time is up. It's time for me to have my bride. And again, how important are the words he didn't say, give me my wife, Rachel. He said, give me my wife. 
it would be like me going to Tammy's dad and not saying, give me Tammy Diane Rudo, date of birth, 6-11-68, Social Security number 2129. You know, you got to get specific here. So on the wedding night, Laban brings Leah to Jacob instead of Rachel. And you are thinking, how in the world could you mistake one for the other? It was, I don't know, it's customary that they covered their faces there was probably a lot of wine consumed at the wedding. I don't know. But anyway, Jacob didn't know what hit him till the next morning. And he went back to Laban and he said, what is the deal? You tricked me. Really, Jacob, you're going to go there? You tricked me? If that's not the pot calling the kettle black. But Laban said, look, it's like this, man. It's our custom. It's our way. The older daughter just has to get married first. But I tell you what I'll do. I'll make you another deal. I'll let you have Rachel too in return for another seven years. What was Jacob going to do? So he agreed. Honestly, does this just not seem right to you? And so many ways does it just kind of just not sit right with you the way this went down doesn't it just make you want to say this is just wrong I mean part of me just wants to have sympathy for Jacob he he was in love with Rachel he worked seven years for Rachel and then he got hoodwinked and then he had to work seven more years he had to work seven more years for his wife that he really wanted for his father-in-law that he knew now that he absolutely could not trust. And then part of me kind of sympathizes with Laban a little bit. I mean, he's got to marry off the older daughter and he's, he found a way to do it, right? He tricked the trickster. He, he deceived the deceiver. But honestly... My main sympathy goes with the women here. You know, they didn't get any say-so in this stuff at all. I mean, here's Leah. She's used kind of a, as a pawn uh, in some kind of game that her dad is playing with Jacob. We don't even know if she likes Jacob. Jacob might not have been her type at all. She might have had her eye on somebody else. Who knows? And Rachel, kind of feel for Rachel too. Because let's just assume that Rachel loved Jacob as much as he loved her. And that she was just waiting. She couldn't wait till those seven years were up. She could marry the love of her life. And now she has to share him with her older sister. Any of y'all have siblings? I didn't even like to share my stuffed animals with my sister. I mean, come on. So what's going on here? What's going on? All right, I think it's helpful if we think about Rachel and Leah and we kind of take the personality out of there and we kind of take the beautifulness and the not beautifulness out of there because look, all of that surface anyway. We all know that what's on the inside is what makes somebody beautiful, don't we? Uh, so let's take Rachel and let's take Leah and let's let them represent something for us today so that this is more than just a story, so that it's something that we can take home with us. Let's say that Rachel represents whatever it is that you really, really want, the number one preference the one thing that you want that is so beautiful and so attractive that you just think you have to have it. It could be a job that you, it doesn't have to be a person. It could be a job that you really want. It's your number one choice. You really, really want that one. That's, that's the Rachel, okay? It could be a promotion with the job you already have. You just think you deserve it. It's just what you just got to have. You've been working for it. You've been just, just 
working, bearing down for seven years because you just want to get this promotion. It could be, I don't know, it could be a new boat or a house that you drive by and you think, I'm, one day I'm going to live in that house. It could be, I don't know, it could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. Anyway, whatever it is that you really, really have your heart set on, that's what Rachel represents, okay? And now think of Leah as God's purpose for you. So is God trying to be cruel to you by, by offering you Leah when you really want Rachel? Is that what God is doing here? What is God doing here anyway? I think the answer is this. God is working in our lives to fulfill God's purpose. You see, we don't always understand what God is doing. All we know is that I want this and I got this. Right? But you know, my preferences are really outweighed by God's purposes. Our plans are not always lined up with God's plans. We want what we think is the beautiful one and then God wants us to have the weak-eyed one as far as circumstances go. I was reading recently uh, the Proverbs and I got to Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 and I want to share it with you this morning. It says, you can make many plans but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make many plans but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So after that I thought, okay, God, maybe the secret to being happier being at least reasonably happy is learning to agree with you. Learning to fall in love with God's purpose. Even if it is the weak-eyed girl. To fall in love with God's purpose. And you say, but that's not natural. No, it's not. It's supernatural. It takes God's grace. It's really hard. You know, it is so hard, as in fact, that Jesus fell on his face in the garden and prayed until he sweat drops of blood in order to cry out, Thy will be done. He said, Father, if it's possible, let the weak-eyed girl pass from me. And then finally he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If, if your purpose is the weak-eyed girl, then I'll love her. And she'll be beautiful in my eyes because she comes from your hand. That sounds kind of radical, doesn't it? Why the weak-eyed one? Why Leah? Why plan B? Well, what Jacob didn't understand then, and maybe what, maybe what we never really have fully understood, is that through Leah, a son would be born, and his name was Judah. His name was Judah. And if you look in Matthew chapter 1, and you see the genealogy of Jesus, it goes, traces all the way back and, and you look at verse 2, it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father, Jacob had a lot of sons. But Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez, and I won't go through all of the names in Jesus' genealogy. But from the tribe of Judah, in verse 5 in Matthew 1, we see, from the tribe of Judah comes David, King David. And David was the father of Solomon. 
who wrote Proverbs 19.21, which says you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And then 28 generations after King David, we see in verse 16 how God's purpose prevails with the birth of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Why the weak-eyed girl? Maybe God is up to something here. Didn't God promise Jacob that the whole world would be blessed through his descendants? Did God keep that promise? Absolutely. Didn't God promise that he would be with Jacob and go and watch over him? Did God keep that promise? You bet. Didn't God promise Jacob that he would walk with him? He kept that promise. God was doing everything he said he was going to do. Jacob didn't think that the morning he woke up next to Leah. But God was working out his purpose and his plan was going to prevail. We have the same promise. Really? Romans 8.28. If you take it in context, let's think about it. I want to share it. You've heard it before, I bet. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his, what? His purpose. You and I, who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose, sometimes his purpose is worked out through our first choice, our number one preference. And sometimes... For reasons that we don't understand, the last thing in the world that we want is what we get. And God's purpose is still worked out. Maybe the, maybe the key to really having a more joyful life is learning how to fall in love with God's purpose. So, how about us today? I mean, this is a great story and all. It's, it's fun, it's adventurous, it's scandalous. But how about us? In our circumstances right now, it may be wonderful where you are. It may be one of those things that you're like, God, what are you up to? But here's my prayer. May we fall in love with God's purpose for our lives and be happy knowing that God's purpose is going to prevail. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I pray that you would fill us with the assurance of the promise that you gave to Jacob that we would be a blessing to others around us and that you do have a purpose and a plan for us and that it will be fulfilled. You're working things out in all things, good and bad. In all things, whether it's our preference or not. Help us to trust you and to rest in the knowledge that you're walking with us every step of the way. Thank you for your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. And the hymn of promise is our closing hymn today. It's number 707. And if you want to, we have our hymnals back in the pews. If you want to grab it, you may not be as familiar with it. It might help you to look. But it'll, the words will be up on the screen for you too. The hymn of promise. Let's stand and sing this together.
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all now and forever. Amen.